This episode is brought to you by Mad Call Festival. Probably Madrid's biggest and best festival, Mad Call is returning once again this summer and it's going to be one to remember. Not only will there be massive names like Dua Lipa, Janelle Monet, Bring Me the Horizon and The Killers playing, because who doesn't love a bit of Mr Brightside after a day of pints in the sun? There'll also be tons of new buzzy acts like Nia Archives, Crawlers, Kneecap and Picture Parlour scattered across the bill too. Obviously, with it being in Madrid, there'll be plenty of ace Spanish artists to check out across the weekend. Plus, heading to a festival like this is the perfect chance to get a good dose of sunshine and culture, all while getting to watch some of your favourite bands and necking a cheeky sangria or two. This year's Mad Cool Festival takes place from the 10th to the 13th of July in Madrid, and tickets can be purchased now over at their website, madcoolfestival.es. Hello and welcome to Before They Knew Better, the podcast from DIY Magazine. I'm Lisa Wright and this is... Giles Bidder. Giles Bidder. Um, and we are here with Felix White, uh, a multi-pronged, I mean, you might know him from his former life as part of the Maccabees. Uh, you might know him from his current musical life uh, as a member of 86 TVs. You might know him from Tailenders. He's recently been like a sort of multifaceted bass baseball cricket everything mm-hmm. sports presenter he's written a book he's basically been um i'd imagine not sleeping very much at all for the last 10 plus years his diary is lit up like a christmas tree his yeah very you know what i liked the seasonal moment of that as well um his diary is very busy so we were happy that he managed to slot time in for us and we had a lovely i mean like i've known felix for god like 10 years now and he has always been just uh the most sort of enthusiastic genuinely warm person to be around so i feel like he was the perfect person to come in and chat about uh all things nostalgia and how we got to this lovely point uh, as ever on before they knew better we have asked felix to bring in a song a photo and an object from various points in his youth and young manhood uh, to give it an indie reference that i think felix would probably appreciate himself and uh he didn't disappoint he had some really i mean his photo his photo is one of my favorites that we've had so far i think yeah solid euro star action Eurostar, rock and roll star. Felix is going on tour in February with 86 TVs. I think some of it's already sold out. Some of it maybe isn't yet. So get yourselves to those places. They've just released a new single. It's called Higher Love. Uh, We are giving it much love in the highest form always always loving the diy hq for felix white um so yes here is felix white of too many different career paths for me even to reiterate a second time on before they knew better with diy magazine oh yeah tour things you've been on tour I, what yeah. I noticed from all of your tour posting content is that um, a lot of it is you looking quite sweaty and bewildered <laughs> into the camera yeah. um, in a series of different locations around the country. Has that been the general mood of the tour? Yeah, well, I think honesty is important, isn't it, Lisa? And, and the honest answer with uh, in terms of my um, social media output is that it hurts a lot more than it did when you're 19 doing the clubs and all that kind of thing Mm. like it actually hurts an existential amount the sort of drinking (laughs) and then the like having to go through it all again even though it's so great i mean you know as anyone knows approaching 40 as i'm unfortunately am um 
yeah it's just painful to do it every day there's there's like it's kind of it's been a weird time because it's been so it's very nostalgic and exciting actually to be doing it again and, and quite often um musicians of my age will when they're doing the clubs <laughs> those sort of clubs again that's kind of like um you, something's probably gone wrong because <laughs> you're right cause you're yeah. da- you know what I mean? you're back at the clubs <laughs> so i imagine it's normally laced with a feeling of like oh god we're back here but th- it's the exciting thing about this is that we feel like we're starting this adventure and it has all the sort of nostalgia of a new thing beginning and that kind of anticipation that the early Maccabee shows yeah. is. So they they ma- they sort of in a in a weird way they sort of mirror that feeling. Um, but yeah, thank yeah. you for um, you, you are perceptive in in noting that, and it's definitely <laughs> my body doesn't feel the same as it did then. But then it'd be weird if it well, did, wouldn't yeah, it? So- I mean, that's part of the fun when the Macquarie was going for a while but that was the things that we were the most romantic about those early times and I think with um, as things go on and and hopefully you become more successful the downside of that is a lot more space gets generated between everyone because people get their own hotel rooms Mm. and then people do that and then it's it's interesting how that physical space turns into actual sort of mentality space because people have time to develop their individual which is obviously a positive thing your own ideas about life but the group becomes harder to keep together so it's nice being back in this zone where because you're so physically close all the time it sort of generates its own um like energy and momentum and it's kind of really nostalgic feelings remember how that you know breeds its own thing if you know what i mean this is obviously a podcast about uh childhood and teenage years and you're in a band with your brothers so maybe that sort of uh sharing rooms top and tail in the bed perhaps is quite a sort of throwback to being young in itself yeah well there's not there's no top and tailing in beds but there is <laughs> no. um no but do you know what it's interesting you say that because this morning we were speaking to each other about something band related oh yeah that was it we were talking about some videos we we're gonna po- post or not post and there's one video of us um all singing bob dylan before we go on stage in london that someone shot and we're all singing we're really into um the 80s religious period bob dylan at the moment and we're all like sort of dancing together nice. and singing it and uh, I was going like, really, is that, is that a cool thing to put on in the internet? And, but Will said like, oh, I think that's really nice because we're behaving exactly as we, you know, the sort of home videos of us as we were when we were kids. So I think that's a really interesting yeah. point, actually, you just raised. There is actually a similarity with that. And, then when, and, and because of being siblings and had, being adults, on one, in, on one side, as anyone with siblings will know, like, you try and grow up with your siblings and when you get to a certain age respect them in a different way without sort of pigeonholing them and getting and you know you try and uh, communicate as adults but then you sort of dovetail back into being six or seven again without really knowing you know what I mean <laughs> so quite a lot of that stuff's like always happening and that kind of sums up what being in a band is really what's the pecking order of your brothers is there a hierarchy yeah good question is there a hierarchy I don't know do you know what I annoyingly for me because i'm the oldest i don't know if there is and there should be because i should clearly (laughs) (laughs) but i don't really know i don't think that i do am earliest in the pecking order being in the like being the oldest i don't know if you have you guys got siblings i don't know if you guys have got siblings no have you not least you do i'm the youngest of three yeah, I'm, an, I, I'm an only child, but I'm nice. 
not a mad only child right well so so you two won't know this but when you're the oldest of three there is um well i've i've come to like feel <clears throat> as i've grown up you it's like a bit of an art form to like not over push the spate you know what i mean like not dominate things mm. too much or that kind of thing like trying to sort of allow for space so i'm always sort of mindful of being that guy because at some point when i was young maybe you know your kid you probably do dominate your younger siblings without knowing it do you know what i mean boss mm. them around and stuff like that so i feel like i'm probably in my adulthood always trying to make up for that and being like nope yeah step back a little bit yeah that's what i'm trying to do i don't know if i do do it but (laughs) i think it's noble to at least try like i guess also because a lot of the time with siblings you have like like if the older sibling wants to be like a footballer then the next one is like fuck that i'm not going to be a footballer i'm going to go and do the opposite thing whereas you three have obviously ended up very much in the same i mean not only in the same career like now in the same band you and hugo were obviously the maccabees for ages together like that sort of i know that's kind of great that that sort of suggests there maybe wasn't a rivalry Maybe you just don't need yeah, to be well, Maybe there is no pecking order. No, do you know what? I think there's a much more of a rivalry than I ever thought there was. Why is that? I think it's inherently competitive being a sibling, isn't it? The things that I like flashback to are eating, you know, like eating really quickly because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if there's like two turkey drummers left, whoever would eat the quickest would get the yeah. leftover food. So like people that are from um, siblings of like three or more people... I've found genuinely tend to eat really quickly eat really fast. And, I've, I, I, and I can't yeah. un, I can't unlearn that still you know I'll have I'll be I'll, I'll finish a meal before someone started and you just sort of plugged into the idea that, that you'll have the leftovers first if you do that um, subconsciously but um, so, I, so actually do you know what's really interesting as well about your question is that um having met a lot of sports people in the last few years very often very competitive successful sports people are the younger siblings of someone who was really into cricket baseball football whatever and they had to compete with them from a younger age so so often you have someone who had to punch you know they're they're like brother was into football and really good at nine and they were six and they had to try and compete and it sort of lifted that level that they were always punching you know above their Mm. age group tailenders is so big now and like you know you'll go and tour it and do it live at the albert hall and does it feel like a sort of split identity well like well to your point earlier actually the first thing you said i think lise is that you know how I was saying about my socials, about me picturing me sweating and stuff. What it really taught me was, because when we started doing tail enders, I actually didn't realise, when we first started doing it, I thought the chat that we were having was the stuff before the thing was recorded. I didn't realise right. it was the episode. So I thought that we were just starting before the podcast, <laughs> the, the show started, and then the show was going to be something else or edited up. <clears throat> and when I listened to it, it was, that was the actual what the show was. And at, to begin with, I was sort of mortified because I would, like in the Maccabees or whatever, would make an effort not to present myself as like goofy or silly or that kind of thing. But with the wave of how it was received and then kind of like making these friends with Greg and Jimmy in that world, it kind of loosened me mm. up and it sort of really taught me this lesson of um, somehow people, sometimes, not always, but sometimes people can really tell if it's not... Um, 
been too conceived or preconceived sometimes there's just some sort of element of that that people can lock into and turns them on or off definitely and so i think that yeah. sort of it's really taught me that um i just really love cricket and i was just openly talking how i would talk to anyone about it and that had some mm. sort of resonance somehow with people that love cricket or not so it's that's really taught me something about um output and uh like sort of being in the world you know it's not always the case obviously that's great art isn't always made like that you know people think a lot about it and put it out so it's not always like a rule to being an artist but that sort of helped me um be at ease with myself and be in the world and not um hold on to things too tight i guess and sort of have an appreciation of how and why things work sometimes yeah that's nice yeah why people gravitate towards yeah exactly exactly that why people gravitate towards things because i think because with music as well like i used to always i was thinking about this this morning like um with these songs of 86 tvs we've all written different songs and uh, you know some of them i've written like a as a songwriter lyric writing which i used to make music and contribute a lot to the arrangements and all that stuff but i wouldn't like sit down and write a song with all the words normally I always thought that was a bit beyond me. So, and I, one part of it was I like, always sitting down and thinking, you'd write a line and you'd, I'd be in my head. I had such a map of all the greats in music, but I'd be like, would Bob Dylan ever think that line was good enough? And be like, no, of course he wouldn't, and scrap it and scrap it and scrap it. So I'd always be in a constant state of um, like the brakes being on. And then just re- it's mm. through tail ends and stuff, I sort of realized like it, it's, that's got nothing to do with anything. It's like, if it, if the essence of you is in it, it doesn't matter if the melody's better or worse than anything else is done. Like people pick up on, like if there's some sort of thing, part of you you're giving to someone. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like tripped really into like the that. music as well. Because when it's like, when Tail Enders is happening, that made me feel freer and easier about, I can write a song and not have to compare it to every single record that I really love or don't love. I can just sort of put myself into it and be at peace with that, if that makes sense. That's a very lovely sentiment. And I think it does come through. I remember the first time watching you guys say six TVs at um, The Great Escape in Brighton. And I think it was just so nice sort of watching. It was like, oh, okay, like you look so like the excitement and the sort of like joy <laughs> that I think, you know, you know, you run a label, you do club nights, you like love music very obviously. And I think like that sort of just like pure, like, you know, enthusiasm and excitement to be there came through like in such a lovely way that I just thought like, oh yeah, it's just nice when you see people on stage that like really fucking want to be there and that like really, yeah, do you know, that sort of passion I think right. came through quite nice. Yeah, that's really sweet that you, that's really sweet that you say that because, um, there was a risk with that, Lisa, especially, on, honestly, like with people like you who had been coming to see the Maccabees from the start or um, were part of the Maccabees thing and, uh, you know, like supported the band and helped us. There were, There's definitely an element of risk in what I, I felt that element of risk because I did felt like part of me didn't want to do 86 TVs at one stage because I didn't want to break that thing of what the Maccabees had been mm. do you know what I mean I didn't want to like turn up and people go like oh yeah well actually it isn't you know what I mean like sort of smash some yeah, sort of yeah, like yeah, precious yeah. idea of it so that is um actually really important to hear that it, it means a lot to hear something like that definitely because it just feels no. like oh yeah we got that right I think you know and I feel happy that we were brave enough to to actually do it 
So we've asked you to bring in um, a song, a photo, an object, and yeah, your song choice, Chili Peppers, I feel like, yeah, is the sort of thing that maybe when you were young, you thought made you like an absolute badass. And then now as you get older, it's like, hmm, (laughs) was I correct in that? Well, no, I don't know if I would be that anti Chili Peppers now. I've heard people say... um, really mean stuff about chili peppers don't they like nick cave said that he, wherever he goes if there's if there's bad music happening he realizes it's always chili peppers or something like people say like really, people say like, that's got to come from some personal place it's, it's because they overwent their set before nick cave and the bad seeds played right I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Oh, do you, you don't right. that's, that's got to be personal i could tell him this as a counterbalance to his argument that when I was probably 12 or 13, uh, Californication came out. And back in those days, you could, obviously not everyone owned the seat. Music was far harder to find and was like less accessible. But it was right in that period where um, you could ask someone who had it to tape it for you. So Mm. I'd heard scar tissue a lot on the radio and I got... Amita Patel, which I should still be thanking her for this day for doing this. I got her to record me Californication, but not the entirety of Californication on tape, which would have been easy because you can press record and let it run. I got her to make me a tape that had scar tissue again and again and again, front to back, so I wouldn't have to rewind it. And I've still got this tape. I actually got this tape next door because I found it in my I found it in my brother's glove compartment the other day. I, I got poor Amita Patel to do a... I'm, that's 90 minutes. Oh. I can't work out how many times that would be. That's probably about 20, more than 20 times on our tissue where she'd have had to have recorded it, the <laughs> scar tissue, listened, oh then re- rewinded scar tissue back, recorded it again, again and again and again. And I just used to blissfully just sit there and just listen to both sides of scar tissue again and again what is it about is it the guitar at the start it's really um it is one of those instantly classic things i guess isn't it scars um i yeah. don't know what it was better but be. do you know what to, to, to this day it better be to this day i am um, <laughs> that's how i listen to don't know about you guys but that's how i listen to music if i if i fall in love with a song i will listen to that song again and 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 again at beginning thinking that I will never get bored mm. of this song and you know and it's changed your life and then a week into it you find the next song but that's pretty much how I absorb music now so actually now what I think yeah. about that that's quite interesting that I did that because when 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 um <laughs> when music does that to you when it's like brand new but you feel like you know it already but you also think the further I get, the more I'm going to find. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Inside three minutes. And you feel like, oh, I'm going to do it again. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Thanks for me, Patel. I'll tell you what, guys. You, I, I'm going to go next door and actually get the tape because I know where it is. Two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I haven't got the case, unfortunately, where where credit where credit is due. She, she wrote the playlist on the back. <laughs> <laughs> on the actual cassette where it just goes Get every single time task. and I don't know I don't know where that is but I've got this Scar Tissue this is actually my most treasured, treasured um, record in my collection still that- 
Brilliant. That's incredible. Brilliant. Um, my main question is that is it in your brother's glove box because he's just been doing the same thing, listening to it on repeat like 25 times, but now as a 30-something-year-old? It's such a good question. He pleaded um, <laughs> ignorance on that. He said he swear he didn't knew he had it. But I think right. now you're mentioning that, but maybe, yeah... I don't know, man. I don't think there's a more sought-after tape in my family history than this, and I'm going to be keeping this. <laughs> it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Um, what a beautiful thing, yeah, yeah. Anyway. And a labour of love, you know, and um, exactly. It was definitely yeah. a labour. It's a show of respect and love, isn't it? To do that, that's that was a beautiful thing about mixtapes. This is good DIY. This is good DIY merch just to have scar tissue on a tape back to back that would be great (laughs) you guys could sell that and anyway i'll leave that stuff yeah keep diy free (laughs) yeah exactly keep diy free oh god maybe not but you know fund us in other ways that would be great um are you still a big chili peppers have you ever played with chili peppers no never john paul's never crossed with chili peppers i know that foles toured with them but we sort of never came into communication with them at all ever really um, but mm. I'm, I'm, and I'm not also not that big a Chili Peppers fan, really. I mean, I'm, and I don't hate them either. <laughs> he says, hmm. but yeah, I think we have evidence to the contrary. I think that, this proves but... otherwise. I've <laughs> 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 got a room full of Chili Peppers stuff next door. Like next door, just like wall to wall. <laughs> well, what was the first song you learned to play? Um, the first cover don't really know I think weirdly the, I, the reason I started learning guitar was to play Oasis songs which might lead us quite nicely to the next object thing actually oh it leads us Good so radio. nicely um, yeah. but yeah the reason I um, uh, played guitar was because I thought it would be cool to play Oasis songs who I was obsessed with so I, but it was quite late I was quite I was 16 or something quite I wasn't I wasn't um it was quite you normally like musicians are borderline virtuosos i know what they're doing at 16 but i think i was starting at 16 17 i learned um stand by me i think because i because you know the start of stand by me is really easy because it goes down which is if you go Mm. down an octave if you put your hand on the low (coughs) string g on the sixth string you go no, that's really easy to do but it sounds cool and it's very identifiable so I remember doing that that's probably the first thing I ever um, thought to do on a guitar yeah so the photos you brought in is it's, I mean it's really good like so you are with where where, where did you find Liam okay so I'm, I'm with my two most importantly I'm with my two friends Billy Hunt and Toby McColl mm-hmm. um, but we are also uh, in said picture we're with Liam Gallagher who looks actually he's got sort of the, the classic Liam stance where he looks like almost like a cardboard cut out of Liam Gallagher you couldn't have a more perfect sort yeah. of Liam stance than Liam <laughs> how does he do it? but I guarantee you I guarantee you because he looks re- he looks like he's from another place than us doesn't he? he looks like he's sort of like He's got a yeah. different sort of someone's treated his image differently to ours. It's really it's mad. It's just the aura, you know. That's what yeah, happens sort of when you're that much of a megastar. Aura there, yeah, definitely. Mm. Although you do, you do like when you when you do take photos and stuff with really rich and famous people, like they do have a different glean. It's like oh, five a day, <laughs> money, vitamins or mm. whatever are glowing through their system. Mm. But um, <laughs> so the re- only reason I play guitar or got into music was Oasis. Like millions of people 
in this country and across the world but mm. i was obsessed with them on a on a like on a life changing level it was very 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 important to me and uh just in the peak of that we went to me and my mates who have said that we went to see oasis support neil young in paris at a Ooh. sort of arena in paris so oasis only do not half an hour support slot for neil young and we'd only gone to see Oasis and had it, it, maybe it fallen on a holiday or something. I mean, we, we were just there for one night and uh, I had my disposable camera with me to take photos of the gig and I took photos of the gig, all of which, you remember you take photos of um, disposable camera photos of gigs and they all come back completely pitch black. <laughs> so bad. But you just, yeah, still in the pointless. hope of it, you'd be like bang, 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 bang because I'm really close to the stage <laughs> or whatever, like constantly taking photos on your phone. Not the it's now, except... Obviously, nothing would come out. But um, so I had this camera on me, and we were on the Eurostar, and the classic people that are into Oasis were sort of on the train, you know, sort of Parker people. And whoever this guy was, I forever thank this person because he identified that I must have been an Oasis fan. Um, and we were sitting next to him, and he, they'd come back from the bar, and they looked quite white. And he just sort of nudged me and went, Don't make a big deal about this if you go down to like two train like um whatever cabins down there liam's just in the bar and <laughs> even as i say that now the memory of that feel like welling up a bit. i remember my like not like welling up being kind of shot through of adrenaline and fear and like kind of <laughs> that sensation of this person from this fantasy person from this life who's always in my head or his music is and the reality mm. of him being that close, you know. I remember that being really... Um, am I making this sound stalkerish? It's when you're really that much... Of a yeah, fa- that I just remember that that sensation of like, I can't believe... You know, I used to have that all the time when bands were in the same town. You're like, I can't believe they're in London and I'm in London. Yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. That kind yeah. of feeling. But um, <laughs> anyway, so I remember I floated with Billy and Toby really quietly and to not try and make a scene out of it because then it mean the whole cabin would go down and rush Liam or whatever and I wanted to keep to this guy's word and um, Liam was there and uh, I asked him for a photo he said Mate. yes did the photo I was clinging to that disposable camera after that <laughs> And I said, Liam, you've, <laughs> you've made my day. And he went, no, mate, you made mine. Oh. And, and, that, and that was it. That's and and we, were so, we were so buzzed that, that it happened just as we pulled up into Paris as well. So we, oh. we happened to get off the train while it happened. And for some reason, we had no re- need to. We ran down the train station, <laughs> like off the train. But I think it must have just been so shot of feeling you know and then I remember yeah. at the gig Liam was wearing the same clothes that he was wearing on the Eurostar which for some reason was important to me because it made it seem like it validated that it was real or something <laughs> you know what I mean I couldn't <laughs> really believe happened. that he was in yeah, yeah, yeah. that he didn't change his clothes and he's in, like I'm just saying this whole way through the gig he's in the same jacket he's in the same <laughs> jacket <laughs> that's like, what would have <laughs> happened in a dream yeah, exactly. Mm. It's really mad. I had a, I had a couple of moments. I, I bumped into Noel in um, outside H&B Ox Street and set the security alarm off there. I had a couple of really weird <laughs> moments where these things just like intersected. Um, but yeah, I, but it's it's hard to sort of put into words when you're young how important little moments like that actually are. I just loved that for the guy that came up to you. He was like, 
don't make a big deal out of it, but here's something <laughs> that, you know. Here's the biggest deal. That's, that's, why the, that's why I think of that guy as some sort of like archangel. That for some reason he, I don't, I've, we were sitting quite close to each other. So I feel like when I look back on that, I feel like maybe he was overhearing our conversations and understood how big a fan I was maybe or something like something made him have the feeling to go up to me as a 15 or 16 year old and say, this kid will appreciate this. You know, something That's something nice. drove him to do that, which is really touching, isn't it? It's cute. Can you remember if yeah, you had to good. go up and sort of be subtle about it? Can you remember how you approached Liam? Oh yeah, I would have been. <clears throat> I would have been incredibly polite. And actually, what happened was he was on the phone. He was on the phone to someone. We walked up, and. I realised who he was on the phone to Alan White, who was a drummer in Oasis. I realised because he nice. was because of the conversation, and I said to the guy, <laughs> but it was clearly Liam's mate that was hanging out with him. Do you think he'll mind if I ask him for a photo? And the guy was like, No, it'll be fine. And then he had that awkward thing of just sort of waiting there, like queuing up, just in the bar, like just waiting, <laughs> with my mouth getting more and more dry. <laughs> weird isn't it That's i mean so I, I feel kind of sad saying this but it's but these things are important when you're no when i think young. it's great that you did that you'd have regretted it forever if you didn't and yeah you, it's a story to tell it's a story to tell in those scenarios who cares if you crash and burn it doesn't really matter totally you know? and mm. there is something in that like um that sort of philosophy but i do think i've adhered to throughout my life is like if that opportunity is there just do do it say yes to the thing do the thing yeah. doesn't matter if you might feel yes. a bit silly or not how you imagined yourself or it might go wrong just do do the thing and it will take yeah. you it'll probably take you somewhere you know has that uh logic ever helped you in any other specific have you had any other similar liam situations where you have applied said logic yeah i, I, I think to everything lisa well def, definitely in the maccabees i think uh with, well with, with tailenders and stuff I think is a good example I think it was just like it was just that just one it wasn't necessarily a situation I thought my, I find myself in but I just decided I'm going to say yes to these things and we'll see yeah. where it lands you know mm-hmm. so I, I think I, I apply that all the time still to this day I apply yeah. that that's why I did 12 hour baseball marathon on the BBC last week which I'm still <laughs> wondering why and what Sequence events led me there, but yeah, um, but yeah, that was kind of yeah. I don't know. Um, no, I love that Liam story though, and I do think um, what you were saying before because I, the one time that I've met Liam, I found it really hard to sort of not see him because his like whole when you've just looked at someone's face like just in mm. popular culture for so many years and they're so recognisable that you could sort of recognise their silhouette and I found mm-hmm. it quite weird sort of trying to make the person in front of me be the person that I knew that it was if that makes sense Absolutely. do you know what I mean when you it see someone that's so sense. famous that they sort of like don't seem like they're real it makes a hundred percent sense yeah I, I had because yeah. I actually did a thing with Noah um uh, at banquet for Kingston, where I did like a Q and A interview with him not not so long ago, which yeah, was like an hour conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was great. But I had exactly that sensation there, like being like, it's so weird. You when you know someone's mannerisms so well, it's almost not weird because you feel like you know them already. Type sort of situation. Yeah, I mean that's a dream though. How was that? Was he lovely? He was great. We did. Um, 
we had the best part of that was that we had an hour before the whole thing happened where he was like come into the dressing room and he had a wagamama's and we just had he just was asking me about have i heard this tune and this tune and this tune and playing it on his phone and then i'll be listening to it oh it sounds a bit like this and then playing him a song on the phone putting it to each other's ears and like um really mad really amazing experience that yeah really brilliant he's kind of got a reputation for being a bit of a bit of a hard ass grumpy oh, he's ama- he was amazing he was so like re- i think really into um just so 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 into music mm-hmm. so as, if you can get onto that conversation where you're just talking about records it's like okay we're off well talking about being young there was this song on well, i had this massively overworked question for him where there's a song on that record called um trying to find a place that's been and gone or a world that's been and gone which i loved really melancholic beautiful song and there's this sound on there's this sound on it but it sounds like sort of the wind or like you know kind of thing it sounds like something's like it sounds like you're in a bedroom and something's knocking on the window like rain or something like really beautiful and i thought oh against the record this is really fascinating because this is Noel revisiting being a young person in manchester and that sound and you know that kind of like engaging with the melancholy of actually what it was to be that child and write that song and so i've just pitched this big like you know question to him and he was just like no that's just me holding a finger down on a keyboard for three minutes i haven't listened to it since <laughs> I was like, okay next okay. question <laughs> okay <laughs> Perhaps you would have played these Oasis albums on the discman that you were talking. So what I quite like is, so you specifically said that it's a discman with a towel wrapped around it. I don't. What's yes. the towel out? Well, so this is. Um, I'm taking you guys back to a period before anti-shock was invented. If you can imagine right, such a thing, yeah, where there was, yeah, yeah, just yeah. Di- where discman's have. <laughs> so I don't know why I've chosen this, but it's just a big part of when I remember being young. This is what I remember having a discman but if you were if you were in a bus on a bus or walk down the street and you bumped into anything it would the cd would jump wouldn't it you know and it would like scratch mm, or whatever nightmare yeah so i learned a technique that if you like double wrapped a towel over the the cd then it wouldn't jump no. so i used to carry in jackets everywhere i went but it's like kind of that much like obviously this is a podcast so you can't see it but like quite a a lot of stuff to take around with you at all times it's like quite a big you'd, you'd have to have a huge jacket so it wraps around but that's how i would prioritize music because i wouldn't want it to be constantly jumping on the bus or whatever that's like that. actually and genius it, re- it used to work really beautifully it would just go a smooth ride on that train or whatever with that record did that technique uh, take off on the school bus on the school run Did you no, I've never find seen that anyone else entire... do that I think that's why I'm sort of why I'm bringing it in because I just feel like maybe more attention should be um, given to uh, you know the innovation I'm going to use the word innovation yeah. Yeah, pioneering innovation um, of that <laughs> but uh, but also like I, I mean I don't know you guys must have remember that obviously but I, I always feel nostalgic about the idea of having to choose one album to go out and be out all day with Mm. and I think Mm. that was so vital to me being obsessed with music and I don't know if people have it the same way anymore where you'd have to commit to this thing and then you'd learn you would learn every single sound 
thing on that album you would know yeah. it off by heart so to the point that when one track ends you can hear the next track yeah even aside from committing to carrying things around even just like the fact that if you went you had you know whatever pocket money for the week and you go to hmv or virgin megastore or whatever and you have to pick one cd and if you don't like it so true well, you just got to learn to like it or at least give it so many it's goes so to true. at least trying to like it that's such a good point and i think there's so many like albums where it's like, if that had just been a first skim through on Spotify, would you have bothered going back to it? Probably not. No. And then they end up being stuff that you love. But I have that. That's so, so true. And I have that now with um, National Records because during the... When I was when I was getting... When Macu's started happening in my early 20s, when I was getting into the National and Alligator and all that stuff, I remember for the first time mm. thinking, what is this? It's so mundane and bland. And then the second, you know, second, third time, because it was just a CD, but I had listeners again and again until I found all this stuff. And then I started to feel like, oh, how have I lived without this music? And because I know that's the experience of listening to a national album, I still apply that logic to national mm. albums. So I had that exact experience with the last one where I felt <laughs> like, first one was like, this is the most blandest fit. I could, it's, what is this? And then by the third listen, I'm just really hooked. <laughs> like really feel like, oh my God, he's talking about something about myself that I didn't even know and the music's so cinematic, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think many bands or music gets given that opportunity anymore does it you know and so and that's that really sh no, changes the discipline of, of making music at all because you know you're not going to get that mm. you're not going to get that third fourth listen are you uh, do you know what guys i've just so weirdly a friend of mine rachel wilson hi rachel she has just messaged me it's flashed off on my computer screen what's your favorite oasis lyric <laughs> i'm pigeonholing myself here aren't i that's fine isn't it <laughs> but yeah i think that's i don't know i just i just missed that i, I missed that experience with records basically so that's why i've chose the shock proof cd because that's how i used to really and i can still with all those records back then i can still if you listen to a song at when it ends i can i can tell you how the next song in the track listing starts and i i don't think mm. you, i don't think you have that with music anymore i don't feel like you get connected enough with it to sort of you know how your memory plays the next song in your head if you hear the end of one song when you're so used to hearing them together i don't think you get you don't think you really yeah i don't think it gets under your skin as much like that anymore or maybe we're just getting old and saying music's better in the old days blah 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 boring 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 i don't know i think that's something like i never knew the towel trick if only i'd have been given this vital information as a youngster but like i definitely remember having a paper round and like you'd balance the discman on top of your papers nice. and it was a nightmare because at the start of the round when the bag was full great like a table yeah as you slowly deliver the papers very difficult to keep the balance of the thing up interesting um, and that i remember being a very very specific um difficulty of being about 14 the difference with your um your thing is my towel didn't reduce so because i wasn't on a paper round your paper padding got reduced during mm. your job which my towel didn't and that is where yeah. my what word did we use innovation and pioneering innovation pioneering Pi that's spirit. where that's where my pioneering in innovation lay <laughs> isn't it funny you get those things especially when you have something that requires a knack to it it's a cd player or a record player or just something that has a as a, as a yeah. trick you don't know how you worked it out that it needs this little nudge so true 
and you work out your own thing that needs mm. the trick but specifically about your tape player or whatever <laughs> and someone else tries it and you're like no stop yeah exactly it, stop yeah, it. yeah um a question that i have that is not related to dismans but just because i've been reading jesse Ware's food book oh yeah omelette and the bit that i just read last night omelette indeed um lovely read i didn't realize that you guys lived together when you were at uni or like i guess like teenage yeah yeah uni age? yeah me, and, like me and jesse have been so close for such an unbelievable amount of time i can still walking into honeywell primary school as a new kid in year five and seeing jesse's face weirdly as as when oh we were like eight, i can still <laughs> see the moment happening so strange but we became we were friends at primary school we went to secondary school together we then went to university together and then out of university we lived together in east london for a bit so we were nice um, very constant parts of each other's lives from probably about eight to i don't know like mid-20s well well till now to be honest because it's still it was her birthday yesterday yeah so i spoke to her yesterday but yeah so we've yeah we've been yeah we've been um close it's amazing what jesse's done really incredible because i kind of had this like 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 i was aware that you'd grown up together i was like oh that must have been you know chatting about music blah blah blah. whereas it seems like she was just like a proper raver and like a a big like dance kid and were you did you have that phase were you going to raves with jesse or were you just like i'm gonna leave you to that musically we're from very very different universes but the the thing that's uh, Jessie's amazing uh, even even as a sort of eight or nine year old girl where she was very m- sort of maternalistic and sort of would would look mm. after you so she was always that sort of person that would check in have you eaten Da-da-da. you know like why don't you do this have you thought about this what you know how do you feel about yes. x so she'd be very sort of like engaged in every part of my uh, life decisions from that age you know she'd be sort of grilling you <laughs> about everything and still even <laughs> to that point like I always like have it embedded in my head like oh what will Jesse think about this you know Jesse's going to be angry about this <laughs> or so, you know like that kind of thing it's like those bracelets that everyone used to have that was like WWJ well, that's actually that's what it stands it's for P- WWJD um, what would Jesse do but I, I think um, <laughs> I, I, she was sort of no she was from a very because my world was guitar music and she loved pop music and was always a great singer. Um, but yeah, we were never into the same, we never shared taste in music apart from when we were in our sort of early teens and hanging around our pair, well, her parents and uh, like you'd be listening to Van Morrison or whatever in the background, we'd be really into that you know which we'd still be into nice but but not Just like classic 12 like, year olds yeah exactly <laughs> is it i don't know is it probably not no 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 <laughs> i feel like i feel like van morrison's I don't everywhere think that many 12 year olds go yeah we yeah we were into van morrison so. yeah and it a song that reminds me of jesse's houses and it stoned me and still to this day friends yeah we are and you know, nice. the passage in my book the passage she wrote about me in that book like i I um she phoned me up to tell me if I was right to read it and she read it to me down the phone which was, was so emotional because it's about my mum I can't remember exactly what no. it is I think it's something about my mum it's it was something that I'd forgotten happened and it was really emotive and touching that she'd remembered it um so yeah that was a really beautiful thing when she's read me that 
There we go. This is the useful thing when you happen to make really good friends with people who are really creative and artistic is that in 25 years time, they'll write a lovely book about all of those early moments. Can you do me a favour? Can you save this and put it in your memoir omelette in 20 years? Thank you. Exactly. That's why Um, journaling and diarying is such a great idea. Totally, Because as time goes on, it's more interesting. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's definitely worth it. However stupid it is to you, you'll look back on it in years and think that how interesting it is so yeah that's true and that was felix white felix is i mean felix is just a good chat and he i think he's really got a good approach to the world and a sort of very yeah open mind open heart all of the good stuff um so yes that was felix white of age six tvs of the maccabees of cricket of tailenders of book author chart topic book author stay tuned for another episode of before they knew better next tuesday remember to give us a like and a subscribe give us a review if you'd be so kind um and also give diy magazine's new issue with king gizzard and the lizard wizard uh fun to say fun to listen to um 25 albums and counting so again another very very busy lot of people who quite frankly were very lucky to be getting time with amongst their ludicrous schedule um they are giving us an interview ahead of their headline set at wide awake next year selling like veritable hotcakes like australian psych rock hotcakes um that is available online it's available on diymag.com forward slash shop it is available in certain record stores and nice places like that uh yeah give it a read a like all that nice stuff and we'll see you next week this episode is brought to you by Rock in Rio Lisboa, the sister event to Brazil's iconic music festival Rock in Rio. The Portuguese leg of the event is set to celebrate its 20th anniversary with one of its biggest editions yet, and over 80,000 attendees across its four days, of which some of them could be you. Taking place over two weekends this June, some of music's biggest names will be taking to the stage in Lisbon. We're talking Ed Sheeran, we're talking Doja Cat, even the Jonas Brothers are getting in on the action, and and with each day specially curated by genre, there's literally something for everyone. I went to the town in Rio last year, which is curated by the same people as Rock in Rio. And it was, I'm going to say, one of the wildest festivals I've ever been to. This year's Rock in Rio Lisboa takes place on the 15th, 16th, 21st and 22nd of June. And tickets can be purchased now via their website, rockinriolisboa.pt.